Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the latest uh, in our series of European Institute lectures on the future of Europe. And we are delighted this afternoon uh, to welcome Jean-Pierre Jouillet, uh, who is Minister of State for European Affairs in the Sarkozy or the Fillon uh, government, uh, I should say. Uh, it's a particular pleasure for me to have Jean-Pierre at this school because he and I have worked together in the past when I was chairman of the FSA here and he was the head of the Trésor. We used to sit together in international, we used to sleep together sometimes in international committees uh, looking at the financial system. And indeed outside that we met from time to time to try to explore the possibilities of common positions between the French and the British on matters like the regulation of the single financial market in Europe. At that time, he was rather in favor of consolidated regulation, and I was against. And then Jean-Pierre went to Barclays, who were against consolidated regulation, uh, and now I'm in favor, um, having left the FSA. Um, but uh, we are particularly pleased today that he's going to talk more broadly about Europe. As many of you know, I'm sure, French will take over the presidency of the European Union, and so will be in charge of the fate of the Union for the second half of this year. This fills some of us with anxiety <laughs> because the last time Europe was run by a man with a strong personality, short of stature, with a rather glamorous consort, there was trouble from Trafalgar to Moscow. Um, and we are hoping uh, that this time the British will not have to step in as they did before uh, to bring peace back to the continent. Um, we will hear this afternoon the French plans for the European Union over the next six months, and nobody could be better placed uh, to give us an insight than Jean-Pierre Jouillet. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Chairman, dear Howard, ladies and gentlemen, it's a specific pleasure to see Howard Davis again. As you remember, uh, we fight sometimes together, but you were always the best because of your uh, very uh, well-known sense of humor, but also with your such distinction. You are perhaps, and it was my great difficulty, one of the last gaullists in London. I cannot say that in Paris. Uh, it's a great honor to be here at the London School of Economics uh, and Political uh, Science, and I would like to thank you Award for giving me the opportunity to share views with a distinguished audience on the forthcoming French presidency of the EU Council. It's a very humbling experience to do so in English, but I'm quite sure that you will kindly allow me to deliver my speech with a French accent. Uh, as you are now familiar with it, with more than 200 French pupils in this school, 
and London ranking as the seventh biggest French city, as you know. Uh, I hope that in return uh, you will see some flavor of the uh, Franco-British Entente Formidable, as Gordon Brown mentioned during the last visit of President Sarkozy. It's clear indeed for all our government that the presidency's role is not to impose uh, one's country's view but to share the EU Council and find consensus and compromises to bring forward concrete answers to common challenges. With our Czech and Swedish counterpart, we are seeking elements of compromise and consensus to build an 18 months agenda for Europe. But this is not just a trial exercise. President Sarkozy's speech in Westminster prized the UK's democratic vitality, economic success, cultural dynamism and attractiveness. France and the UK agree on most global issues such as Kosovo, Middle East, United Nations reform, Chan Darfur or climate change. We share the same visions of the EU's responsibility to act on this issue. As you know, the Franco-German relationship remains the core of our vision of European policies, but it should not be exclusive. Europe is important but we know that in any field, a fruitful and intense cooperation with the UK is a key factor for success. For example, I met today Jim Murphy and other uh, members of the government, and I meet him regularly and John Conliffe almost every six weeks. We hope then that the French presidency will be an opportunity to show that Europe can achieve institutional reforms, but also, and above all, deliver concrete results. Results that matter to European citizens and where there are clear additional benefits from collective efforts as compared to action by individual member states. We will have a lot of work to do in a very short spell of time. It's not the ambition of France and it's not a kind of arrogancy as we can, as we can read uh, in different newspapers. It's because the legislative agenda is always very busy when we are close to the end of the Commission's and the European Parliament's tenures. And, as you know also, and unfortunately, unexpected events can always happen in the diplomatic or in the economic field. But 
we would like to emphasize and materialize the new role uh, the European Union can play in a globalized world along four main priorities. First, Europe has to promote a greener Europe, secure energy supplies. Second, adopt an integrated approach of migration and demographic change. And fourth, also, to strengthen European Union's capabilities to ensure peace and stability, adding up to NATO's role without duplicating it. I want to stress that. Our first two priorities will go to climate change and energy. As I know, in speaking with your chairman, that you have a very great department in the London School of Economics, so I will uh, stress on this point. We have discussed this topic extensively this morning with Jean Murphy, is with some of your professors, and France aims at reaching an agreement on the climate energy package in line with the objective that was agreed at the Spring European Council. It is an ambitious goal as we must achieve consensus on a fair burden sharing within the EU that leads to efficient paths of reduction of CO2 emissions. But we have no other choice than ambition. No other regional organization can act as a leading player on climate change and set high standards in the Copenhagen negotiation round in 2009. It is for Europe a matter of credibility, of world stability, and of ensuring the well-being of our children and grandchildren. As your professor, the uh, Nicolas Sterns uh, show, has shown in his review for every euro invested now when it is timely enough in the fight against climate change we can save five euros or possibly more. And I don't want to repeat that, but if we invest in pounds, the return on investment may be even greater. And I don't speak about the dollar and the yuan. And that. But this will be possible only if Europe lives up to expectations as a leading power in a low carbon economy. We will cut our CO2 emissions by 20 persons by 2020 in comparison with 1990 levels and maybe 30 percent if third countries also commit themselves to ambitious and binding targets. Our low carbon economy shall at the same time remain a competitive economy. Quota restitutions and free quota that would be in conformity with WTO rules may be 
the adequate way forward. We are also counting on reinitiating discussion on a European energy strategy because current events have shown that the energy problem is becoming increasingly strategic. Energy policy is a good, exam is a good example of a field where we could benefit from more external unity in uh, Europe, and it's also a matter of cooperation between our two countries because we want to preserve sovereignty and now with the prices existing in the oil and the gas market, we are dependent or we have the risk to be more dependent tomorrow. This is mainly about seeking a level playing field between consumers and producers because external producers cannot expect, expect I apologize, an open EU market without reciprocity. We will therefore strive to secure, to secure European energy supplies and foster cooperation between major gas producers, transit countries and destination countries. The former executive director of the International Energy Agency, Claude Mandil, had just published a recommendation that will contribute to shape our proposals together with the Commission. Another priority is immigration and asylum. I was struck during my visits, whether it be in Malta, in London today, in Prague, in the Baltic countries also, and Portugal, in uh, uh, Spain, by the fact that member states, whatever their culture, whatever their history, their political direction, or their tradition, are now acutely aware about the interdependence of their government and of the not-on-effects once decision can have on their European partners. They also feel the need to cope with the likely decrease of European population by 2020-2030. We will have less than uh, 25 billion of active population during this period. We will then propose a pact at the level of heads of states and government that will enshrine strong commitments for a long-term balanced and efficient management of migration flows. It will also build on the concept of the global approach to migration forged in Anton Court in 2005 under the previous UK presidency. It will tackle five main topics, most of them being of interest even for countries like Britain, which are not part of the Schengen area, but it's a common issue, in enhancing border controls, 
looking at how member states and the EU can make legal migration a success both for citizens and migrants by helping them to integrate and make a positive contribution to our society and their own. Implementing an effective return policy of illegal migrants. Building a comprehensive and integrating approach of asylum. It will be the most difficult task and it will be a progressive approach. And last but not the least, promoting co-development with transit and origin countries. On the latter topic, a ministerial Euro-African conference will be organized in Paris in October and special attention will be given to the brain drain in health sector and development aid on education and governance. French people are often blamed for advancing grand ideas with no follow-up. We are a little bit more conceptual, but it depends. <laughs> but the pact we have gained from the new political culture in France that you might have noticed in the last months, the pact will contain a follow-up clause that implies a progress review every six months in the Justice Home Affairs Council. It is also closely connected with the Commission's agenda for legislation and operational cooperation. Ladies and gentlemen, you have now a presentation of the key priorities France plans to work on during its EU presidency. I hope they are legible and concrete enough. Madeleine Albright once said indeed that to understand Europe you have you had to be a genius or to be the French. I'm pretty sure that the British have not to become French. And I am happy of this because we tried that once or twice through history and the result was not so brilliant. <laughs> France alone can do nothing well if it does not pay attention to its neighbors and close allies. I prefer then to think that if France and Britain have a genius idea that of working together or with other partners, Europe will be what it must be. But it depends on our close cooperation and it will depend also on the, our cooperation in the defense area. And I want to conclude on that very important topic because um, all nations of the Union willing to take part uh, will be invited without any loss of sovereignty to uh, envisage new and real capabilities uh, able to be built and in a European strategy of defense consistent with the role and responsibility of NATO. 
I believe the same gain lines can be maintained for our new commitments. Where are we now on this very important topic? First, our security strategy dates back to 2003. Since then, new threats have emerged. The 2003 threats have evolved, especially proliferation and food security. The eastern enlargement has been successfully managed as well in NATO as in European Union. A neighborhood policy has been developed and a European armaments agency has been set up. Europe must update its common security strategy. Second, we need to use the proper instruments to be able to implement this strategy. The EU has conducted so far some uh, 15 uh, defense and security operations. Thanks to those operations, which were often conducted within the framework of NATO and with NATO resources, we can make an initial assessment to determine, to determine the way forward. President Sarkozy and Prime Minister Brown have committed qualified civilians to be available for post-conflict stabilization under the EU's civilians headlines goal 2010 targets. They have also suggested to develop European military capabilities available to both the EU and NATO, in particular in the fields of the 400M carrier group operations and helicopters. This is an excellent start and we call on our, our European partners who wish to do so to join this initiative in proportion to their own means. Third, President Sarkozy's visit to the United States and the Bucharest summit at the beginning of April showed that France could be open to take new responsibility within NATO, provided that simultaneously progress was made on the European defense policy. I believe that a new and trustworthy relationship can be built on this group, on this ground, I apologize. All these issues are difficult ones. I'm not saying at all that we will be able to resolve it during the French presidency. It would be too ambitious. What we would like to do is to take it forward while respecting different histories and traditions. We know perfectly your tradition. We know that you don't want to have any duplication between NATO and uh, the European defense policy. And it's uh, clear that uh, we have to respect that and we know that if we, we want to progress in this uh, respect, we need to uh, be in line with uh, your concern about uh, that. And I want also to insist 
before the next uh, process of the ratification that uh, neutral countries will remain neutral in this uh, policy. So, you see, we have a lot of work. We want to have ambition. We have a, at a crucial and a turning point for the Europe uh, building and the Europe cooperation. We need to have a closer cooperation with UK, even if, you, if we have a strong cooperation with Germany and if it remains the core cooperation. And we share the view expressed by the British Prime Minister and Foreign Secretary that they have outlined their vision of an open, outward-looking, flexible, global Europe. It's clear that if Europe wants to be a global actor, it needs to combine efficiency in the economic field, solidarity on the social aspects, and also a great defense capacity. I hope that we can find a common ground for a European Union that can deliver on this objective. We need for that to have a strong cooperation with you. And to conclude, I want to apologize for not addressing so many economic issues in uh, this very prestigious school, but uh, I can answer to your question in other topics. And the main thing is thank you very much for your patience for, and for my English. Thank you very much. Kevin Featherstone from the European Institute. I wonder, uh, Minister, what you would say now on the initiative that the French have uh, made with respect to the Mediterranean. Uh, is this rhetoric or is there something substantively new? Because it's the 
integration, where you have not bodies of cooperation. And through concrete projects, we will try to improve this cooperation in the Maghreb and also in the Oriental River of the Mediterranean between Israel and And uh, the other Arab countries. It's not so easy as its correct condition. And third, we uh, consider that the Barcelona process and the Euro of those are not very familiar with that. The Euro uh, Mediterranean partnership has to be increased in three aspects. First is to have more equality between the Southern Mediterranean countries and the European countries. There was not the same level of responsibility, for instance, in the result of the project. Second, we consider that the governance has to be immense in that, and you have to real challenge and co-challenge on, on, on that with an independent secretariat, even if the secretariat likes uh, grouping uh, members of the commission, uh, representative of uh, uh, some uh, member states, and uh, uh, you can be considered depends on the extent of the
A separate club. It's not a new club you're talking about. No, it's not. We want to avoid to have a new club, uh, Mr. Chairman. It's clear, and we want to avoid to uh, have a duplication towards the Barcelona process. We try to 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 to, to clarify to, to to answer more precisely. If you have good projects, and if you have already existing good projects will integrate in the new framework of uh, Union pour la Méditerranée. Uh, but we don't want to create a new club and we don't want to, uh, we want to enhance the cooperation, we want to give more political impetus, we want to give more uh, visibility, but we don't want also to duplicate what is already existing and which we could work also. Okay. Uh, yes, woman with the pink shirt. Is it pink? Yes. yes, we can Thank say you. that. <laughs> from, from, from here, from here we can say that. Um, to what extent do you think the UK government will support your proposals during the presidency, particularly those on immigration and defence? So also a very accurate question. <laughs> uh, I think that on immigration we know that there is a, a divergence it's more a legal divergence. It's more a question of sovereignty for United Kingdom. But on the common goals, uh, we are confident that we, we can be supported by the UK on, on that. There are comments. After, I know perfectly well that UK will have a room of maneuver to manage. That. But I don't expect any difficulty on the, 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 the fact that these goals uh, that I mentioned can be uh, implemented uh, even with the, 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 the UK specificity uh, on that. And I, as I told you in my presentation, uh, the main difficulty will be about the azaleum uh, right. And, but uh, we, we will have also difficulties with Germany, with Poland, with other countries because the, 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 the rights and the tradition are uh, in this country more severe than they can be in France, for instance. Uh, the second uh, aspect is about defense. About defense, I spoke quite frankly on that. It's not easy. It will not be easy. I think that UK and France have common interest, and perhaps we will not be successful. It's you see the other objectives. I think that the first objective on the climate change, Europe has to, to, has to achieve. It's ambitious, but we have to achieve. On immigration, we have the possibility to achieve. If in defense, we have to agree on the orientations that we, 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 we cannot finalize. But only two countries in Europe have the possibility to raise the issue. It's the UK and France. Why? Because we have the only members in, in, in Europe uh, who belong to the uh, Security Council in the United Nations, 
and we are the only country to, to, to have nuclear weapons and, and so on. We have a specific responsibility. And third, we uh, contribute a lot for the security of uh, Europe and we have a tradition of projection of military and civilian involvement. And when you consider the financing aspect, the two-thirds of the expenses uh, dedicated to the security uh, come from UK and France. And perhaps we have together to think about that. But we have to be pragmatic also. We have to be pragmatic. We have to need to respect the specificity. We know that you have a transatlantic approach that we have not. And uh, we know perfectly that. But we know also that now with the Europe which uh, is a space for more than 500 millions of uh, people. We need, if we want to have uh, Europe as global actor, to make progress on that in avoiding in this field also any duplication or any useful duplication, unuseful du duplication with the NATO. And on migration, have you asked David Cameron, just in case he happens to be the government during the, your presidency? <laughs> uh, you don't need to answer that. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. It's a good question. Uh, man in the middle, yeah. You may be a cleric. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, I am a spiritual cleric. <clears throat> uh, just to mention one thing. You mentioned non-duplication of services. You also mentioned that neutral countries will remain neutral. Are you suggesting France is neutral, or do you want to name one or two countries that are neutral? Uh, I'm not sure to, 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 to understand all the subtleties of, of the, 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 the question. No, to, to, to answer very frankly is that you have uh, the neutrality is very important for uh, uh, some country, and specifically for Ireland, for instance. And uh, we are saying clearly that we will respect that and we will respect the, 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 the neutrality and the tradition of neutrality of this, uh, of this country. You have uh, other uh, issues in Scandinavia, in Austria. But we want to have an open process on, on defense without uh, choking or uh, uh, troubling the tradition of the different European countries, and we know perfectly that there are, there are different traditions in Europe. Uh, man at the back there, blue shirt, hand up. Thank you. Uh, Minister, could you throw some light on the question of um, what qualities uh, the French government will be looking for above all in the choice of the first president of the Council <laughs> of the European Union? Uh, let me put it like this. Um, do you think it will be... Um, Important that the person does not come from one of the countries of the EU that hasn't joined uh, important parts of the uh, program like the Euro <laughs> or Schengen? Or do you think it's more important that he shouldn't come from, or that he shouldn't be, um, a small politician who's not well known in the world? I'm not mentioning any names like the Prime Minister of Luxembourg, but. Uh, and and, and perhaps you might just add, add, a <laughs> add a sentence on um, how you see the role of the this uh, important new uh, title and personality developing, um, particularly will you anticipate frictions or difficulties in bedding down in relations with the President of the Commission 
and and uh, and the other and the and the other heads of government. So are you still backing Blair? <laughs> no, it's a very uh, a good summary. Uh, 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 it's clear that uh, I have to tell you that another uh, duty that we will have during the presidency is to set up the, 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 the new treaty and to make in due time the different uh, appointments for the chairman of the European Council and for the high representative for the, Euro, for the uh, foreign affairs. Uh, we are not uh, – it's just a question of agenda and it will be the responsibility of the presidency if the ratification is uh, uh, over and when the ratification will be over. We, we have not to forget uh, that. Uh, second, the qualities and the, the, the fact. It's clear that uh, Tony Blair had uh, many and has many uh, uh, qualities to uh, lead the, the, the European uh, Council. He has a charism, he has a very good visibility on the international uh, uh, scene, he has uh, experience because he was Prime Minister uh, during uh, 10 years, uh, he has all the, the qualities on that. But, uh, it's also clear that as a presidency and not as France, we have to take into account what is the feeling in the different parties of Europe, not only on the national basis, but also between the uh, European Popular Party, the uh, Socialist uh, European Party, and so on. And it seems that at the current time there is no majority. And it's why that uh, uh, other names are floating and there are different profiles also and very good experience in, in Europe. It's no more, no less in that. And uh, it's clear that we have to uh, see what the duty of presidency, you cannot uh, act without uh, having the sensibilities of the uh, different parties in uh, Germany or in uh, other countries, in Spain and so on, and, 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 and different countries. So uh, it's clear that we have to take that into account. For me, I want only to stress that the choice has to be made in 10 months. So we see, and uh, perhaps the race is uh, gone uh, early, uh, too, 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 too early. It's a, only a personal opinion on that. On the, on the institutional side, I, it's a question of, of uh, personalities. I don't expect many difficulties between the chairman of the commission and the, 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 the chairman of the, of the council. It will depend on the, 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 the personalities and the ability to work each other. The scope of the responsibilities is not the same. I repeat that the chairman of the European Council has to prepare the work of this European Council, has to ensure the continuity of the job, and he has not the responsibilities devoted to the President of the Commission. And, and, and uh, uh, um, more substantively, 
in the uh, communitarian uh, policies and so on. So there is a complementary. The, the main difficulty, and we will have to see that in how not the, the, the tandem will be uh, well, but how the trio we will work with the high representative, the chairman and the council, and the chairman and the commission. And the difficulty, perhaps, is not at the place where you can guess where it is in your questions. A number of people are catching my eye now. I think the next one is yeah, just on the end here. Minister Rohnmacher from Fidelity International. I wanted to ask if, if you might elaborate on your priorities for financial services during your presidency and in particular whether you envisage any new regulation uh, in the wake of the credit crunch and what measures you envisage taking to encourage Europeans to save more for retirement in light of changing demographics. Dragged back to your role as head of the yes, Tresor. Yes. yes, and I will speak under the control of Howard Davis on that. And we will see. I will be to be, to, 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 to be short. I think that you have to draw the consequences of the subprime crisis on that. And we need to have more coordination and cooperation at the European level. We need to improve the cooperation and the coordination between the regulators. Perhaps we have to adapt to regulation. But we don't need to have a revolution in the regulation. There is no, uh, it was no such a problem of regulation on, 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 on that. We have to ensure more transparency. And we need to have more cooperation, co uh, coordination, and to see how to ensure uh, transparency uh, in the banking system, in the insurance system, in the uh, uh, different uh, uh, rating agency, and, uh, and so on. And I think that we have to do that at the uh, European level, but we are quite, we are not uh, as a French uh, ideologic in that. Uh, we can live with the different uh, system. The most important is the goal. And the goal is to enhance transparency and that and to localize what are the, where are the, the, the risk to, to, to have a, a good math to follow the different risks and to see uh, how to uh, catch these risks with a, a very a better and a closer cooperation between the different regulatory uh, bodies. It will be our purpose during our presidency. Maybe we should organize a debate here between Nick Neeson and Jérôme Carrière. That would be <laughs> quite fun. one in the middle here. Yes, thank you. Arkham Holzenberger from the German Embassy. And I'd like to, to turn the debate a bit to the economic questions. Um, uh, the framework of the EU is the Lisbon Strategy for Growth and Employment. And at an earlier stage, uh, it was said that the French presidency would uh, uh, enhance the social dimension uh, of that. Now, uh, that was missing from your speech. Uh, does that mean that you dropped this, or what kind of ideas do you have uh, in mind for the French presidency? No, it's clear that I cannot, I prefer to answer to your question, and I uh, only focus on the main uh, priorities. 
but it's true. And uh, we had the, the, uh, the debate this morning uh, with uh, also uh, uh, academics and different experts. Uh, I think that the Lisbon strategy has to be adapted in three uh, dimensions. First, it's a strategy built on the traditional competitiveness. And now we have to integrate the dimension of the fight against the uh, climate change, for instance. So you have to integrate in the Lisbon strategy a more sustainable development. Second, it's true that we have also to uh, integrate more social dimension in uh, training, in education, in the mobility of the workers, in integration of uh, people without employment and on the poorest people and so on. And when, when we had discussion with uh, uh, my uh, British uh, counterpart or my German counterpart, we are thinking on the fact to try to address new pilot experiments on that and perhaps during the French presidency. It's an ongoing process. We have not to create trouble for um, continuous action, but it's true that we want to uh, promote more mobility and more integration uh, between the different member states for the workers like you have now with the Erasmus program for uh, the more qualified uh, students. And third, in the Lisbon strategy, we have to integrate the external dimension and is as also a social impact because if you fight against the global, uh, the global warming, you have to uh, take into account the necessity to maintain uh, competitiveness in some industrial sectors and so on to avoid any delocalization of activities, any loss of employment in uh, Europe, and you need to have to address also some reciprocity with countries as U.S. and Japan as the same, and uh, it's an understatement, the same uh, standard of life that in, uh, in, uh, in Europe and the same capacity to act in this, uh, uh, in this run that Europe. So we want to add an external dimension with social impact on the activity in Europe in the Lisbon strategy. And perhaps we try to open the, the, the debate, but we are, don't forget that we are at a turning point also because it's the end of the tenure of uh, the Commission and the European Parliament, and we have to bear that in mind. Uh, we have a, a question from the cheap seats um, up here. Thank you. Um, I was just wondering if you could clarify the French position on harmonization of the corporation tax base and potentially corporation tax rates. Some comments made recently by your colleague, the French finance minister, whose name I have forgotten, um, worried some people in this country and quite a lot of people in Ireland, where it's more important at the moment for obvious reasons. I was just wondering um, whether this is a, a realistic objective for the French presidency or whether her comments should be read um, as purely for domestic political consumption. Thank you. Yeah. 
No, I will be, I think that it's not the most appropriate moment to speak about that. <laughs> and uh, second, that in the Lisbon Treaty, you have still the unanimity for all the tax matters. Third, whatever the German and French view on the possibility to harmonize not the rate, but the basis, it's not the same, not the basis. There is uh, Franco-German willingness and other countries in that, but because it's unanimity and you can see that uh, the island will be safe, could be safe on, 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 on that. We don't want to create any trouble about the ratification process in Ireland and any other country. It's our duty as a presidency, what, uh, whatever the French feeling about that. It's clear that we want to make our duty. Our duty is to have a ratification of the treaty during our presidency. First, second thing, through the unanimity. Always we say in tax, yes, uh, Ireland, UK, and so on, and, but I can tell you, because we are only between us, that whatever the personality who leads the council, you have other countries very, very, very uh, interested in the, the, the tax organization in Europe, even in Benelux. Um, I think we'll just have one more, actually, right at the woman at the back who's been very patient. Thank you. Uh, I just wonder if you could share with us your thoughts on the strength of the euro, how it's affecting the different constituents of the eurozone, and whether that's something that you'll address in the, your presidency. Yes. I think that we have to take into account two facts. First, when you have this level of energy prices, and oil and gas prices, the uh, strengthens of the euro, it's uh, protecting the European citizens and the purchase power. Second, we noticed in all European countries a rise in the prices. You have a rise in the inflation. And in regard to that, you uh, also, the strengthens of the euro, it's an advantage. Third, if you want to improve the visibility of the eurozone to have, uh, uh, to be a global actor on that, to have a strong currency is not a disadvantage on that. Fourth, but on the other side, it's clear that uh, the uh, too rapid appreciation of the euro creates difficulties for some specific industries, aeronautic, automobile, and some other equipment industries. And you have to take that into account. I think that now you have a consensus on the fact that you need to find an equilibrium and to avoid any excessive volatility 
in the uh, exchange rate and in the appreciation of the euro. So it's a question of uh, uh, balance. I think that there is a consensus in Europe in that in, between the European Central Bank, the, the other deciders in Germany, in France, and in other uh, countries in the Eurozone. But I have to confess that the job of the chairman of the ECB is not easy in, uh, in that, because he, first, he's not alone, and second, the uh, different uh, uh, aspects of the, uh, the question are quite complex now. But third, heureusement, il est français. But uh, it's French, but it's not <laughs> always an advantage, <laughs> you know, even in France. I'm, I'm afraid we're going to have to stop now. We have to stop promptly uh, tonight because uh, the minister has to get on a train. Uh, and indeed, we also have uh, someone else coming in here at, uh, at 6.30. Um, you were very kind to speak to us uh, in French. But nonetheless, perhaps it would be plus poli si je te remercie en français. Uh, à Londres, on s'intéresse beaucoup uh, à ce que c'est le sarcosisme, uh, surtout depuis la, la visite uh, officieuse au mois, de, au mois de mars. Pour le moment, je crois qu'on ne comprend pas très bien ce que c'est. Uh, mais peut-être, uh, pendant la présidence et l'Europe, uh, tout deviendra plus clair. Mais uh, je crois qu'on a, vous, tu nous as donné une esquisse très intéressante. Uh, cet après-midi, et tu nous as donné des indices euh, qui vont nous aider à comprendre le, la politique française euh, pendant la présidence. Donc, euh, on te remercie beaucoup d'être venu cet après-midi, euh, et j'espère que you will thank in a normal way.